morning and welcome to Brownsburg Vineyard Church. I'm Jamie, this is Allie, and we're glad you're our guest here today, whether you've joined us in person or are watching online. We want you to know that we are a group of ordinary people that serve an extraordinary God. During our service today, you can expect dynamic worship, an encouraging teaching from the Bible, and an opportunity to receive prayer at the end of our service. Our prayer is that you'll encounter God and experience transformation. Here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church, we believe that God has called us to be cheerful givers, and we love to practice generosity. Now, even though we don't pass an offering plate and you'll never feel pressured to give, you can join us in our generosity by giving a tithe or offering. And we have five ways that you can give. There are envelopes in the chair that you can drop in the baskets at the back in front of the room. There's a giving kiosk in the lobby, a text-to-give option, and you can visit our website and click on the Giving tab or use Tithely, our online giving app. Check those out inside the program. If you have children, Kids City offers an incredible experience for children five weeks to fourth grade. During this time, your children will learn how to worship and learn about how much God loves them. Fifth through eighth graders will stay in for worship, but then will be dismissed to hear a message that applies to their own lives. Oh, and one more thing. Remember to silence your phones. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you encounter God this morning. Morning, everyone. My name is Pastor Dennis Roy, and I want to welcome you to Brownsburg Vineyard Church. For those of you who are tuning in online, thanks for streaming live with us. I want to say a special welcome to the David and Tess Graham Fan Club, all the family and friends who are here for them. Congratulations. We have a fantastic service plan just honoring what God is doing in their life as they step in as associate pastors here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church. But we're going to begin with a time of worship, and that's where we turn our minds and hearts into the direction of God. And what we believe here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church is this is an opportunity for us to encounter God, to encounter the real living God, the God who created the heavens and the earth, meets with us and encounters us. And we also believe that it's an opportunity for transformation, that who you came in, those doors being, is not the same person you're going to leave. So... If you want to stand with me, I'm going to read a call to worship out of Psalm 138. It says this, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praises. I will bow down toward your holy temple, and I will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. For you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. May the kings of the earth Praise you, Lord. So, God, as we begin this time of worship, I pray that we would turn our face towards you. I pray that we would bow before your throne. I pray that there would be a, a freedom in this place to express our worship to you, to express our thanksgiving to you. And, God, for anybody today who, who is feeling held back by anything, whether it's shame or fear, or it's just been a while since they've been in this place, I just pray, God, that you would step through this morning, that our voices would be lifted and our hearts would be filled with praise for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together. Good morning. My name is Andy. I'm the worship leader here. And I said we're going to start with some music this morning. And I just encourage you to just follow those words that Dennis said. Let your heart rejoice.
show us your grace, Lord. Move amongst us, Holy Spirit. I love you, Lord. For oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days, I am held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up, Till I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. So, so good with every breath that I am made. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Praise
Sometimes we don't see it because our vision is clouded by the world around us, Lord. But you are good all the way through. You are faithful and just. Your mercy endures forever, Lord. You are our friend, our warrior our strong power. Holy Spirit, thank you for being in this place. Thank you for being our guide. You are worthy, Lord. You are now worthy. Worthy of everything Worthy of all the praise we could ever breathe. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. It is for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Jesus, the only breath we could ever breathe. Here is for you. You're holy. Oh. 
that we're going to build our lives on Him, on His heart and desires. Bye. 
God, I just thank you that when we draw closer to you, when we are surrounded by your holiness, then we begin to see other people differently. We've been in this series for the last several weeks, God, about vision and having eyes that see. And so this morning I pray, God, that in this moment of worship, as we maybe see you more clearly than we have in a while, and as you reveal yourself to us in a very special way this morning, that there would be a shift that would happen within us, a shift that would happen within our perspective, that, that we would leave here today seeing people differently than we've ever seen them before, seeing them with love and grace and mercy and with the belief of Your transformative power in their lives. Make us like Christ who saw the hearts of people that everybody else overlooked. I thank You, God, that each of us stand here today having been seen by You, God, You saw us with eyes of grace. You saw us with eyes of love. And we stand here in Your presence because of how You saw us. How You found us. And so may we love and see others the same way. Holy, holy are You, Lord. There is none like You. We give You praise and thanks for Your holy name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Go ahead and have a seat. Uh, we are so excited for this morning. I'm going to have Joel come forward. Uh, just two really quick announcements before we get started. And the first one is, if you are with us today as a first-time guest and you received a program, then inside your program is a Connect card. If you would please take the time to fill out that Connect card. And in the lobby on your way out, you're going to see the Welcome Desk. Turn that Connect card in at the Welcome Desk. And we have a $5 uh, gift card to Starbucks for you. And so that's just our way of being able to connect with you. Thank you for being here with us and, uh, and being able to answer any of your questions. So, so go ahead and do that. And also, many of you know, but in case you don't, at the end of today's service, we're going to have a reception honoring Dave and Tess. And that's going to be uh, through these doors in the event room. So make sure you, you stay around for that. And so we're now going to, to do the installation ceremony of, of David and Tess. And just wanted to say a few words before we did that. Um, both David and Tess and, and we as a church, we have uh, been through probably about a six-month process. Um, for us as a church, it's been about a year and a half in which we have been praying for this very moment for God to lead the right person. As we were singing the second song, there was that verse in it that said, All of my life you've been faithful. And it made me think of David and Tess and knowing their testimony and all of the different ways in, in which God spoke to them and directed them and moved them to have them here for such a time as this. It's really been fantastic and affirming to see how God has led to this season. So I'm honored to have uh, Joel Seymour here. Joel serves uh, Vineyard USA as a super regional director, which I just think is the coolest title in the world. Super regional director. Kind of half expecting him to have a cape when he preaches. And so we're excited uh, for him to be here and, and uh, to be part of this. For those of you who remember, it was almost a year ago to the day that Happy and Di Lehman, our regional leaders from Champaign-Urbana, were here and we ordained uh, Gwen to be a pastor over the church. So it's almost been a year and, and we're bringing on another pastor, so we're excited about that. So as a steering team, the leadership team here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church, and with the consultation of the leadership in the vineyard, 
we have uh, selected David to be an associate pastor, and uh, David knows in his heart that God has called him to such a time as that, and that he's been appointed, and that he knows that according to First and Second Timothy and Titus, that this is a moment where he's going to dedicate his life to the mission of God to lead with character and integrity, and we want to affirm before you today, the congregation, is that we believe that David has the skills and the character to fulfill that role. So I'm going to ask um, David and Tess to come on and stand in between Joel and I, and uh, we have a, a few questions for them, so come on forward and stand here. <laughs> there you go. And uh, Joel and I are just going to lead you through a, a couple questions and answers and a, a few scriptures. But it's an honor to be here, especially on this special day for your congregation, and uh, honor to be with you too uh, today. David, um, you're taking up this mantle of serving the body of Christ and serving Jesus, and ultimately you're serving as an associate pastor of this church family. And we call and commission you to adhere to these verses from 1 Peter 5, 2 through 4. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, and God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonored or dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. You're being installed today as the under-shepherd, under Jesus Christ, for this flock. And you're also to know that you will be shepherded by Jesus even as Psalms 23 declares. Amen. David, you're stepping into the office of a spiritual leader and with great responsibility and duty. It's not a job, but it's a life calling ordained by Christ Himself to care, to lead, to love, and to serve the people of God and our community that we impact. want to read to you Acts 20, verse 28. Keep watch over yourself, your heart, your soul, your mind, your marriage, and all of the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer, be a shepherd of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. So based on your calling, please answer the following questions. Do you believe that you're truly called by God and his church to serve as the associate pastor of Brownsburg Vineyard? Do you believe that the Bible is a fully insured Word of God and agree to diligently read and study the Holy Scriptures to proclaim and teach in your office as the Associate Pastor of Brownsburg Vineyard Church? Will you endeavor to commit your heart, soul, mind, and body to His service and to this church, His people, and this community so that the love of Christ may be known in the world? Will you be a faithful pastor to equip the saints for the work of ministry and lead with humility and dignity under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Will you, for the sake of the gospel, love the church in all her imperfections, trusting in the power of Christ to work through her? Will you always protect this body and harm both internal and external as the under-shepherd of Christ? Do you believe and subscribe to the Vineyard USA values and statement of faith? Based on your answering, you are commissioned to be the associate pastor of Brownsburg Vineyard Church. Amen. Now, Tess, as Gwen well knows and Mandy knows, 
Pastoring is a partnership and a commitment between both the husband and the wife. And as David's helpmate, as Genesis says, in ministry, there will be times when you two will be called on to sacrifice, to love, and to pray, and to shepherd. Do you accept this role and this commitment to Christ and His church? Amen. All right. Uh, We are going to ask the three of you to kneel, for those of you who don't know. We have a church member on the way here. We're going to ask the two and a half of you guys to kneel. As a sign of surrender and dedication to Jesus Christ and the call of God that He has on your life. I'm just going to anoint you both as a sign of the Holy Spirit on both of you, the covering of Christ. And so, as you bow before Christ, the head of the church, I anoint you as the associate pastor of Brownsburg Vineyard Church. The role that Jesus has called you both to as you work this out as partners in Christ and in marriage. And I bless you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Joel and I, as a pastor and the Vineyard Regional Leader, uh, are helping you to stand now. Go ahead and stand. And, uh, and we want to stand with you now to let you know that we are here to help you achieve that thing which God has called you to. You're not doing this alone. I was reminded of the story of Moses' hands being lifted by Aaron and her, and how their support of him allowed the battle to be victorious. And so just know that you're not doing this alone, that you are part of a staff that surrounds you. You're part of Vineyard USA that surrounds you as well. And so uh, I want to encourage you in that. We're going to, we have some special guests here um, that we're going to ask to come to the stage and help lay hands on David and Tess for some prayer ministry and prophetic ministry. And so, first of all, I want to call our own steering team to the stage. And so, if our steering team could come forward. Um, and then I also want to invite uh, Pastor Rick Francis, who is a, a vineyard pastor in our area and who is a dear friend of David and Tess and has known him for a long time. And also Bill Doherty, who pastors Bread of Life, if he can come forward as well. And so maybe the most miraculous uh, part of today's service is we're going to have about 12 people on stage, and we're all going to try to pray and give a prophetic word in under five minutes. So uh, sit back and watch this amazing miracle. So we're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit. I encourage you um, to just join in by by praying for for Dave and Tess. We can kind of all squeeze in a little bit, and we have microphones, so, um, so go ahead and grab one of the spare microphones if there's a prayer that you have for them. Lord, we rejoice on this day. We thank you for the faithfulness of the gospel to Dave and to Tess. Lord, we admonish them to guard their hearts above all else, for out of that will flow the issues of life. Pray, Father, that you would release a passion from heaven to earth and fill their hearts. The very anointings that are on Dave and Tess, we pray, Lord, let them come fully into the forefront. I pray for evangelistic fervor. I pray for the passion of sharing the good news, the power of deliverance, and the power of healing in relationships with you and with others. We pray, Lord, that you would anoint them as a force to be reckoned with, that the gates of hell will not prevail. 
and we bless them in Jesus' name. David, you're a you're a friend, you're a brother. And in many ways you're a son. I watched you grow up from a little boy. I watched you wander. But the scripture says that a man plans his ways in his heart, and the Lord directs the steps. And truly, I said wander, but you were truly searching for the heart of God through every one of your adventures. And I just pray with all the authority and power in me that you never give up on that, searching for God. Because the more you search, the more you find. My very favorite verse, what I guide my life by is the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those that He reveals, they belong to us forever. And our children forever. And our church body forever. So Lord, or David, as the Lord reveals His secrets to you, and he, He's never stopped and He never will, hold on to them tightly. Because they're yours. And they're ours. And we love you very, very much. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. We've waited a long time. And today's the day. David has found his home. His home is in you, Lord. Serving you. Thank you, Lord. sense that the Lord is going to show you to how to do this in such a way and I sense it's a prophetic word from the Lord is that um, if there's any fear of how this affects your family or your children, uh, there's a real sense that the Lord is going to show you how to do this in such a way that your kids will actually love Jesus, love the church, and love you two even more because you are a pastor. Um, so I pray that blessing over your family, that uh, this would be a thing for your family, that your kids, as they grow up, Glad my dad was a pastor. I'm glad we were engaged in church, and so we just declare that to you. Amen. I declare that they will get to have experiences and meet people and go places that they never would have had had, had this not happened, and they'll get to see a, a mom and dad who live out their faith in the home, the same way they live publicly, and, and they'll see that match, and it'll click with them, and uh, it'll call them to Christ. I also pray a blessing on you, Tess. As since I was to pray a blessing on you as you live in this in-between space that you. Not been called to be associate pastor um, as David, and yet there is a real recognition that, that you're part of this whole thing too, and how it affects your life. And, and the Lord is, the sense I have, the Lord is actually going to teach you how to live in that liminal space between the two. And so we bless and affirm the callings of God on your life and uh, who He's called you to be, and may you be filled with the Holy Spirit in a brand new way this morning. I just hear the Lord saying this, uh, get ready. Yeah, I'm going to take you to heights that are greater than you've ever been, and I'm going to take you to depths deeper than you've ever been. 
And there's going to be those moments of overwhelm. And God says, I want to meet you in those places of overwhelm. It's not a straight path or an easy path ahead of you, but it is a path of intimacy and friendship. And God wants to let you know now that he will not leave you nor forsake you on this journey. And so to steady your hearts and to steal your hearts for the excitement ahead and for the emotional roller coaster ahead. And what God is saying, in every one of those places, the highest mountains and the lowest valleys, I'm going to be with you. And it's in those extreme altitudes and depths that you're going to learn more about me than ever before. You're going to learn to trust me and rely on me. And it will be out of, out of that journey that your ministry will flow. And you will be able to minister to people in ways never before. All right, so in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we just anoint and announce uh, David as the Associate Pastor of Brownsburg Vineyard Church. Let's give him a big hand. So, David gets a paycheck, but Seth gets the flowers. So, um, so we're going to uh, we're going to take about 90 seconds. Um, I know there's some people here that, that haven't said hi to one another. We're going to take about 90 seconds to stand up, say hi to somebody that you haven't said hi to, so we can clear the stage and, and get things ready for the next transition. So go ahead, please stand up and say hi to one person that you haven't said hi to yet. All right, all right, ladies and gentlemen, please make your way to your seats. Very good. As I said, we, uh, we have been in a series since January 7th, the first Sunday of this month called Vision 2024. And for the last three weeks, we've just been talking about the importance of having eyes that see. It's a, it's a phrase that's repeated over and over again in Scripture, having ears to hear and eyes to see. And one of the things that as followers of Christ we are called to is to live by faith and not by sight, to have this special vision. And so we've just been digging deep on this idea of vision and what it means to, to see things that we couldn't otherwise see apart from God. And so uh, Joel's going to pick up the baton and keep running with that series uh, with a message today entitled A Vision for Others. So um, we've clapped a lot today already, but give one more big hand for Joel as he brings <laughs> his words. Thank you, Thanks brother. You. Appreciate it. Well, it's good to be with you all. Honored to be here. Uh, 
David and Tess, I know you were under discernment the last few months and all this testing. And the last test was, could you swivel your head between Dennis and I like a tennis match as we ask questions? And you, you pass. So here you are. Uh, hey, can I just say, like, uh, don't you all have a great senior pastor? Aren't you blessed to have Dennis as your senior pastor? And, uh, I have appreciated over the last year or two in my role uh, getting to know Dennis and his vulnerability and authenticity and his leadership skills, his passion for Jesus. Um, I mean, that's the number one thing. When I think of a pastor, I want somebody who just loves Jesus and wants more Jesus. And then I just picked up that Dennis is a continual learner. He's hungry to learn and to, to grow as a leader and as a follower of Jesus. And you are blessed to have him as a senior pastor and uh, blessed to have Gwen She's ordained and a part. They just make a great team. And you, and you have a great staff. I've met a few of your staff already and got to meet your leadership team last night. And I just want to say you're blessed with solid leaders as a congregation. So um, real quick, introduce myself. My name is Joel Seymour. I am the super uh, regional leader. We, are, we have a lot of good things in the vineyard. Titles is not one of them. And so... Uh, uh, so essentially, what, what do I do? Well, I, I assist four regions. It equals about half the country. I oversee and serve regional leaders, and then each region is broke up into areas. And so there's actually an area meeting tonight of kind of Indianapolis and South where pastors get together, leaders get together, encourage one another, those kind of things. And so um, that's what I do is I pastor pastors. Because I'm full-time and regional leaders and area leaders are volunteers because I'm full-time, if there's a crisis or even a really good thing happening at a church that they just need some coaching or need to, uh, you know, just share or, or get mentored or different things, I have the time to do that. So I wake up every day thinking about local churches around the vineyard, and so that's my role. I planted a vineyard in 1998 in Lancaster, Ohio. I pastored it until two years ago and turned it over to our associate pastor, and then I uh, took this role. And I still live there, still go to that church. I'm a member of the church. I I have a title like founding pastor, which means nothing. And uh, so uh, I, I love still going to church there and being a part. So that's my life. I'll, I'll introduce you to my family real quick just so you get a, a taste of who I am. That's my daughter, Emmy. Uh, Emmy's 18 years old, studying nursing, taking some theology classes at Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee. Uh, next to her is Luke. Luke is full-time in the Alaskan Air National Guard, just got back from a deployment in the Middle East. And last night, landed in Columbus, Ohio, and he's going to be spending two weeks with us. So uh, he's back home right now. Uh, I, that's my wife, Christy, and she would have come, but Luke was more important. And so uh, big guy is me. Uh, Jesse and Cassie are on the end. Jesse is uh, my almost 24-year-old son, and Cassie's his wife. They live in Hilton Head, and uh, you know the Lord called them and must have spoke because they're leaving Hilton Head in two months to go to Oil City, Pennsylvania, uh, to be associate pastors at a vineyard up there. So uh, that's, that's my family and uh, who we are. You get a little bit of a taste of us. Well, I'm going to just jump right in for sake of time. And, you know, we have so many great catchphrases in the vineyards. We've got catchphrases like doing the stuff which just simply means doing the stuff that, that Jesus did. We have phrases like everybody gets to play, meaning we believe that everybody can minister, that the, the person who's been a Christian for five minutes uh, can, can give a word of knowledge as well as the person who's been a Christian for 50 years, that it's not dependent on them, it's dependent on the Holy Spirit filling them, and that leaders equip people to do the works of ministry, and then all of us get to play. Um, we, have a, we have a phrase, I don't know if you've heard this one, faith is spelled, does anybody know what that is? 
Jeez, okay, you don't need me. I'm going to sit down. Uh, so faith is spilled R-I-S-K. Now, one of the first phrases I remember, it's not like a catchphrase, but it was a concept that I came in contact with when I was probably 18 or 19, was the, the word power evangelism, the phrase power evangelism. It came from a best-selling book by John Wimber, the leader of the movement at the time. Um, Christianity Today named that book one of the top 50 books that shaped 20th century American evangelicalism. So that's a pretty big deal. Um, you know, and, and honestly, I think one of the reasons I liked power evangelism, because anything you add to evangelism has to make it better. I mean, I, I mean, most people just don't like evangelism, so you got to add something to it. Uh, you know, you can get people to go out for classes on evangelism. Uh, and you might pack the class, but if you say, hey, next week we're going to go out and actually share our faith, it'll be like the teacher Maybe. Uh, and then crickets, you know, like nobody else comes, you know. So I like power evangelism. Give it a little ring, a little thing that goes with it. But even if you feel that way about evangelism, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you probably have a little twinge of guilt, even when I bring up the, even say the word evangelism, because we know as disciples of Jesus that, like, our prime directive is go into all the world, right? Uh, make disciples, baptize them. This is the prime direction. In fact, when Jesus called people, like the first, think about the first people that Jesus called. He didn't say, follow me and I'll make your life better. He didn't say, follow me and I'll rescue your marriage. He didn't say, follow me and I'll give you peace instead of anxiety. I mean, I believe he'll do these things. But do you remember when he first called people, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men and women. Like, I'll actually show you how to make other followers. So this is like our prime directive as people. Well, today what I, what, I, what I want to talk about is continuing in your series is how do we have a vision for people and how do we have enough of a vision that we actually share our faith? Another one of our catchphrases is naturally supernatural. We want to make the supernatural just normalize it, that we should expect it to happen at any time, and we want to do it in a natural way, Right? Part of the problem about having a vision for people, especially a vision for people enough that we'd actually want to share our faith, is most of us have ran into some model of evangelism that doesn't feel very natural or supernatural, right? My first church plan, I was working third shift at a factory, a uh, furniture factory in northwest Ohio, and uh, one of the guys was, uh, was uh, you know, I was going to say older, but... Now, that would be my age, I think. Um, but uh, so, uh, you know, I was 22. He was probably my age in his 50s. And he came from a hardcore kind of fundamentalist church. And he's got to share his faith. And, and he told me, that tonight I'm going to share my faith during break. I'm like, okay. So he brings everybody at break around. We had like this big drafting table. And he pulls something out called a map. Now, those of you younger than me, a map is like a printed version of like Waze or Google Maps. It has lines on it. You can tell it to get places. So he pulls out this map. He puts it out. And when he puts it out, I'm going, oh, no. On this side was heaven. And this side was like flames and hell. And this was his gospel presentation. I've accepted Jesus. I'm going to heaven. You all have not accepted Jesus. You're going to hell. Would you like to accept Jesus? Um, we had zero takers. Um, at that point, I wasn't even sure I wanted to be a Christian. Uh, I mean, it was bad. Uh, we had negative fruit, you know. Uh, souls saved zero. Souls permanently hardened to the gospel. Well, I think there was ten people around the table, you know. So, 
That is not naturally supernatural. But again, here's the rub. We have been told to share our faith. We've been told to have a vision for people. And we should be doing it in a naturally supernatural way. I mean, Jesus' manifesto in Luke 4 is, is the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, to heal blind eyes, to, to see lame people walk, right? to set prisoners free. And because we're followers of Jesus and we call ourselves Christians, which in the beginning meant little Christs, that we're, we're to be models of Jesus, that we know from the Great Commission we're to be doing the same things that He's doing, um, we're called to do this naturally supernatural thing to have a vision for people, and then to share our faith. So today, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to answer the question, how could we have a vision for people? And once we get that, how could we, how could we do that in a naturally supernatural way? How could we share our faith in that way? And so for the answer, I want us to go uh, to the Bible. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 3. And so if you're using a device, turn to uh, get into your app and just scroll down until you see Acts. If you are doing the analog vintage version like me with uh, extra large print, um, you can look in the table of contents and find Acts chapter 3. Now I want us to catch us up to speed on this of where we're at before I read the scripture. We are just into the first few months of Christianity as far as it being shared as the gospel and people coming to know Jesus. A, a thing happened called Pentecost on Acts chapter 2 where 3,000 people get saved. You know, it went from... Somewhere between there were 120 in the room, but according to 1 Corinthians 15, there were about 500 disciples in total around Israel. And on that day, it goes from you know 120 to 500 to, to 3,000 more people. And they're kind of sharing everything together, and they're worshiping, and they're praying. And, and then we have this moment in Acts 3, a few months later, where Peter and John are going as, as good Jews. They saw themselves still as Jews, but, but kind of... Uh, fully realized Jews in the sense that they found out who the Messiah was when He was Jesus. And so they go to the temple probably three times a day to pray at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. and at sunset. And on this day, they go into the temple where they had been hundreds of times, if not thousands, over the years. And something different happens on this day. Take a, take a look with me at Acts chapter... Well, you know, before I do that, I want to share one thing so that you get a picture of the Scriptures. Can we put the, the picture of the temple up? This would have been where they were, they were going in. So this story happens at the gate called Beautiful. And so there were different courts and walls around the temple. And so outside the gate called Beautiful was a place for all people who were not Jews to come and to pray and to seek God. So there was special space just set aside for those seeking God. And then for those who had either converted who are, who are, is, who are born as Jews and were worshiping God, there was the next court called the Court of Women. And so that's a special place for women to come and seek God. And then there's the Court of Men. And then eventually there would be, you know, the Holy of Holies and the Inner Sanctum. And behind a curtain in the Holy of Holies would have been the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, for those of you who have seen you know, Indiana Jones, you know what that is. And so gold box, you know, presence of the Lord, all that. And so people were coming here often if you lived in Jerusalem three times a day. And then most good Jews around the world were coming once a year to worship God. The story we're going to read takes place at the gate called Beautiful. One day, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going in the temple courts. 
When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. So to, to get the full punch of the story, we need to, to kind of put ourselves into a place where we could understand kind of begging um, or, or just kind of asking for alms in the ancient world, um, even, even in the modern world. I mean, it's not uncommon, I know in my city, that I'll go different places and see people uh, asking for money at intersections. They're at the same intersections. They're popular intersections. It's, it's why they're there. Um, around the world, I've read that in Latin America one time, the beggars formed a union and went on strike. I don't even know how that works. Uh, in India, a thousand beggars formed a union and demanded food and, and shelter. And so in the ancient world, what would happen, it was common for beggars to have the right, they'd almost paid like a licensing fee or something, where they have the right to sit in a certain place. And for this guy, he was lame. He may have actually worked for somebody else and that he couldn't get himself there. Somebody would bring him there and he'd have to give a cut to it. But this is a popular place. People were coming into the temple to worship. They had to have money for, to, to buy animals if they had come from a long distance. They're coming to give uh, their tithes to the Lord, these different things. And so he's at a prominent place um, to, to beg from. It's very likely that Peter and John had passed this guy lots of times as they went on daily prayer. It's actually pretty likely that Jesus even had passed this guy. They passed him hundreds of times, but nothing different happened every time they just went in. But today, something different happens. Take a look at verse 4. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Let's stop right there. We're going to keep reading, so keep your finger in your Bible. But... um, I mean, I think that's profound. I mean, I'm just a redneck from southeastern Ohio, so maybe it's a little too simplistic. But if we're going to have a vision for people, like the very first thing we have to do is actually see the person. Like actually see people. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then, then Peter said, silver or gold I don't have, but what I have I do give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, began to walk. Then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him. Again, he'd been sitting at that gate who knows how long, how many days, how many months, how many years. They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. Hundreds of times they had passed this guy, most likely. But on this day, they took notice of the man and God spoke something to their heart that this was the day, not to give money to him, but this was the day to raise him to his feet and to be healed. Part of having a vision for people is actually seeing people. But it's, it's different than just seeing a person. It's also seeing God. You know? the, Peter and John saw the person, and beggars aren't used to being seen. We usually avert our eyes. But, but Peter and John looked at him, and when they looked at him, they also had been trained when we look at people, we look at them with the eyes of God. What is the Father doing in that person's life right now? I don't have to tell you this. You already answered my little phrases earlier. And he filled in spaces, filled R.S. 
case and you know all this, but let me just quickly remind you of our heritage. Our heritage is as vineyard people, and more importantly, our, our heritage as followers of Jesus is we believe and practice John 5.19, where Jesus said, I only do the things I see the Father doing. So having a vision of people is actually looking at people and seeing them for who they are, but it's also looking with the eyes of the Father and, and seeing them and seeing what the Father is doing in their life at that moment. Peter, Acts 1.8, uh, heard this when Jesus was getting ready to ascend into heaven. Jesus told them, if you wait on the Spirit, I will give you power. That Greek word there is, is dunamis. It means the innate ability or energy to do something in the moment. We would say dynamite has innate power inside of it. But Jesus didn't just give the disciples innate power. He gave them the authority to use that power. Luke 9 and 10, He gathers 12, then He gathers 72, and He sends them out, these disciples, to see people as the way the Father sees them, and He gives them both the dunamis power, but He also gives them the exousia power, which means the authority to use His power. Think of it this way. An ambassador has no innate power in and of himself, his first self. But an ambassador has been given the authority of a president to act a certain way and do a certain thing in a country, right? You, as followers of Jesus, you have been given God's authority, Jesus' authority, to see people and then to see what God is doing in that person's life and then to act. A police officer who is, a tra- is doing traffic duty has no innate power to stop semis and cars, right? But behind his or her badge is the full weight and authority of the criminal justice system, right? Or the executive branch. And so when she puts her hand up, she may not have the innate ability at that moment to stop a semi, but she has the full weight of the authority of the law system behind her. Brothers and sisters, I want to give you good news. As you have a vision for people, and as you get in situations where you begin to get an inkling of what God is doing in their life, and you have an encouraging prophetic word to give them, or maybe you think, I need to pray for them and and see if God is going to do something in their life in the moment. Brothers and sisters, let me give you an encouraging word. You have been given the power of Christ Himself inside your heart. The promise of Ephesians 1 is, is, is that Paul would pray something like, I want you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you would know the power of God that is in you, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated Him above all authorities. Brothers and sisters, you have that. And not only do you have that power, you've been actually given the authority to use that power when you get in situations and see what the Father is doing. That's good news. You don't have to have a vision of people all by yourself. God Almighty is with you, wanting to open your eyes and my eyes to the needs of people around us, and then He wants to give you the ability to meet those needs, to talk to people, to share with people. He's given us that. We don't just use this willy-nilly however we want to. When Jesus taught guys like Peter and John, and you saw that in Acts 3, right? They didn't just do it willy-nilly. How did they do it? They did it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. To do it in a name means to do it in the attitude and the spirit, but it also means to do it under the authority and the direction. They weren't just doing this stuff however they wanted. It was they were in communion with Christ, and as they encountered the beggar, what I think happened behind the scenes, only because uh, I don't want to put words in Scripture. We have too many pastors in the room. People throw things at me. But I don't want to put words there. I don't want to be presumptuous. 
But I know how Peter and John were trained. They were trained to look at people and then ask the Father, what are you doing in this moment? And apparently on that day, unlike all the other days they passed the guy, on that day they knew the Father was healing a lame man. And so they followed his lead. And they used the authority and the power that had been given to them. You know, it's hard to read Acts and not see power evangelism. Having a vision for people and then responding with the power of God. It's hard to, not, it's hard to find evangelistic stories where power is not involved. Power evangelism is defined as not just proclaiming your faith, but demonstrating faith. It's often through the spontaneous, spirit-inspired, empowered presentations through words of knowledge, prophetic words, healing prayers, or deliverance. It transcends the rational. Let me go back to our questions. I know I'm speaking fast and trying to apparently food in the reception, something waiting, and I know how that goes. So, um, And I know what children's workers do. And, uh, you know, the Spirit could stay in here for an hour or two, but he left 20 minutes ago in the kids' room. So, you know, I want to be cognizant of them. Uh, so let's go back to our questions. How can we have a vision for people? And what do we do once we get that vision? Well, we have a vision for people by seeing them as God sees them. We fulfill that vision by actively responding to what we see. You might even say you gain a vision for people when you look and leap. You look with the eyes of God and you leap into action. This is what we've been called to do. Peter and John looked at the man. They looked. They saw the man in need. And they leapt into action. They were convinced the Father was always at work. Luke 5, 19-21. They were convinced the Father was always at work. They simply asked God on that day, what was He doing? And they leapt into action. There's an old story about Thomas Aquinas, theologian, philosopher, and priest in the 1200s. He was called to visit the Pope in Rome. and He entered into the Pope's room and he watched Pope Innocent II counting large sums of money. And the Pope says to Thomas Aquinas, Thomas, Thomas, See, the church can no longer say, silver or gold have I none. To which Thomas Aquinas replied, and nor can she say, rise up and walk. Aquinas realizes far back then that the church had ceased being a naturally supernatural people who could look with the eyes of God and then leap into action and use His power and authority to change lives. Brothers and sisters, let that not be this church. I don't think it is. You guys have invested heavily in training people in SOCOM or practicing gifts as you do outreaches or in your small groups or in Sunday services. You get this. That we've been called to be naturally supernatural people. Have a vision for others. Respond with the love of God. See them as how God sees them. And then share the power of God with them. I want to share a, a quick testimony video uh, from my daughter. And... Uh, it's a time in her life when we were actually together and uh, she looked with the eyes of the Father and um, she leapt into action and forced her dad into leaping into action who didn't really want to at the time. So you're going to get to hear that in a second. So let's show that testimony video. And so she's going to share a story and... Uh, this story makes me look bad, and so, but I still said, yeah, I think you need to share it. So why don't you go ahead. This is going to be an illustration of what it looks like to be a naturally supernatural evangelistic person. All right. Good morning, guys. 
So <laughs> a couple of months ago, I went on a college visit to Lee University, which is located in Cleveland, Tennessee. And so we stayed overnight at a hotel. And the next morning, we were eating breakfast. And I was just eating. And I look over. And the hotel receptionist was highlighted to me. Like, I think the Lord was highlighting her. And so I told my dad, I was like, I think we need to go and pray for this worker. And he's like, okay, we'll go after breakfast. We'll pray for her before we leave. And so we go back up to the room. We get our stuff. We're just talking. And we walk right by her without praying for her. So we, like, open up the car doors. I'm like, wait, Dad, we got to go and pray for the lady. Like, we can't just walk off because by the time we get back, the lady will probably be gone because her shift will be done. And Dad was like, no, we got to get to the college visit on time, or we got to go get coffee. Or He was saying all these lame excuses. I was like, Dad, you can't chicken out. Like, we have to go and pray for this lady. So after some nudging. Yeah, tell him what you did when he told the story in Brazil, what you do. I went, bah, 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 bah. he was a chicken. <laughs> and I had a translator with me, so she was like, bah, 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 bah. so it was just like a bunch of balking back and forth. It was pretty cool. <laughs> Anyways, so after some nudging, we finally got Dad to come back in and so we just walk up to the lady and we just ask her the simple question like if God could do anything for you today what um, what would he do for, or what would you like him to do and uh, she was like talking about how her daughter just went through a really bad divorce and it's just been really hard on her and her kids and as she was talking about it this lady like she comes out of the elevator she comes walking up and we pause and we're like oh you can check out it's okay and she was like, are you guys praying? And she was so excited. And she's like, I want to join in prayer. And it was, side note, it was super cool because she actually asked the lady if we could lay our hands on her, which I was like, oh, that's very vineyard. So I wonder if she goes to a vineyard church. But so we prayed for her. And just as we finished, we could just see how, like, filled with joy she was. And she was just sobbing. And you could just see um, the joy on the businesswoman's face like that we would stop and pause and say like hey can we pray for you like it was just super cool how people just started gathering around and wanting to pray for her and so i would just encourage you guys like if you feel like the lord is nudging you to pray for someone like it could be a complete stranger at the grocery store maybe even someone here today i would encourage you to go and pray for that person because it could change their life so amen thank you amy for people by looking with the eyes of God and leaping into action. On that day, Emmy's just eating cereal in the hotel, you know, continental breakfasty thing, and just has a nudge and looks over and sees the lady at the front desk and has a sense that we're to pray for her. That's all it was. And she had the courage then to do it, and it opened up. And then the power of God showed up and gave peace to this woman and comfort and she left that day knowing that God saw what was going on in her family and saw her own pain as she hurt her daughter. And her life was touched and she was encouraged. You know, you gain a vision for people when you look and leap. You look with the eyes of God and you leap into action. Well, how can we practice this? Well, I think uh, one of the most easy ways to do it, and you're probably familiar with this, is just to get used to asking the question, can I pray for you right now? that seven-word sentence. Look, and then if you say, I don't know what to do. I feel drawn to, to, to talk to that person. Well, one of the things you can just simply do is just say, hey, if, if God could do anything in your life right now, well, what would you want Him to do? You know, people open up on those kind of questions. I was with a pastor earlier this week, and we were sitting having lunch, and waitress was took our order, and she's getting ready to leave. He goes, hey, 
it's our practice to pray before our meals. If, if God could do something right now, what would you want him to do? We'd like to pray for you. And, and she stammered because she was you know, unexpected to that question. And so often what happens is people come up with something and then you say, can I pray for you right now? And when you do that, what you're doing is you're saying that I see you, I hear what you're going through, and I actually believe the God of the universe cares about you, and He's able to do something right now, so let's just pray. Now, you're not saying all that, maybe you do, but just the question itself is infused with that meaning. That's a thing you could practice in your everyday life, is to look with the eyes of God, and then as you see people you're to pray with, just simply talk to them and say, if God could do anything in your life, what would you want Him to do in this moment? You'll be amazed at what people open up with. Even like coworkers that you talk to every day that you don't know maybe some of their intimate details. They'll open up about finances. They'll open up about a child going through a difficult situation at school or a grandchild. And, and you'll say then, can I pray for you right now? And it opens the door for the Spirit of living God to enter into that room and into that person's life and for the authority and power of God to flow through you and touch that person. So here's how I'd love for you to practice this this week. I would love for you to... Uh, to simply ask the people uh, in your life, uh, first of all, I guess, wake up in the morning and say, God, give me your eyes to actually see people. Like, start seeing people. See their situation. Get compassion. Ask if God is doing anything in the moment. I know the last few weeks, I'm, I'm not sure what it is. I'm in a season of consolation, which means I'm in a joyful season. The last three or four months, just there's been a shift in my heart and and some of the hard work of doing the job that I'm doing. I'm still doing the hard work. The, the, the work is the same. Something internally and during this season of joy, I've been much, much more thankful. And so I don't know if that's it or if God's just changing my eyesight. But the last few weeks, as we've had all these negative temperatures, I've just noticed homeless folks around. I mean, I've always noticed the homeless. And uh, I walk the bike path regularly and there's many that live there. And, but this season, I've been asking God, what, what can I do? Like I'm seeing a guy at 10 o'clock at night pushing my grocery cart down and it's negative five and feels like negative 15. What is that guy going to do tonight? You know, so trying to find ways to see people differently and then to ask, not just see them. First, you got to see them, right? The next is, God, what do you want me to do in this moment? Well, one of the things you and I could do this week is when we're at the coffee shops or the restaurants or with our family or in our neighborhood or at work, we could just ask those kind of questions. We could ask God, just give us eyesight to really see people and when he begins to show us something, we leap into action. And the way we leap is simply to say, can I pray for you right now? If God could do anything in your life, what would you want him to do? I think another way you could practice this is this Sunday and every Sunday. Like, we believe everybody gets to play. You may be sitting around somebody that the Lord has just given you a little nudge to, to say an encouraging word or to pray for. See the people in church every week. See who's coming in. You know, we have no idea the burdens that one another is carrying, right? As we walk in here. But have eyes to see one another. And then as you see a person and the Lord just gives you a kind of a nudge to go talk, just go over and say, man, we haven't met. Or, man, uh, uh, we haven't got to hang out for a while. What's going on in your life? Just simply practice here in this room every week, having the eyes of God, truly seeing one another, and then asking if you can pray for one another. Well, I want to conclude. I just we'll have a ministry time here in a moment, but could the worship team and prayer team begin to come up? And I just want to finish with one final thought as they begin to come up. You know, what if we actually started doing this more and more as followers of Jesus? What if we had a vision for people? 
What if we actually begin to look at people with the eyes of God like Peter and John on that day? It says they, they looked at the man. What if, what if we left here with eyes that saw people in the situations they're in and we had compassion? What if we began to wake up every morning and say, God, give me your vision for the people around me. Help me to see them. Help me to put into practice John 5.19 of seeing what the Father sees and then doing it. What if once we saw what the Father was doing, what if we actually leapt into action? You know what I see in this room? I see a room that can turn families and neighborhoods upside down and workplaces. I can imagine your faith coming alive in new ways as you see people touched by the power and presence of God. Imagine those with little or no faith background being struck by the experience they'd have when you ask to pray for them and maybe a thought enters their mind of maybe this God thing is for real. Imagine people getting saved and coming to your church and getting baptized and growing in their faith. Imagine the joy that we'd all have walking into a place week after week worshiping Jesus because we knew the works of Jesus were happening the other six days a week in our regular lives. That's what I can imagine happening to all believers who have a vision for people looking and leaping regularly by asking people, can I pray for you right now? Let's go ahead and stand. Can we stand? Can we just wait on the Lord for a couple moments? If you're comfortable, you can just hold out your hands. Uh, I believe that we're holistic people, our bodies and our minds, and we're all wired together, right? Husbands know this. If you're watching TV and listening to your wife, and she says, are you listening to me and your eyes are still glued to the TV? Um, you may be listening, but, but she's not convinced. You know, <laughs> We're holistic beings. And so I believe that even with our hands, our bodies, we're just simply saying, there's nothing magical, we're just simply saying we're open to God. God, would you come? And so let's pray this. Come, Holy Spirit. Come in this moment. You've been with us this whole time, and yet we want to be more attuned to you. We want you to come in special ways to touch people's hearts. So come. sense that uh, uh, that as I was preaching and I was talking about looking with the eyes of God that the Father was actually giving some pictures of specific people uh, in your mind for several of you like you just saw certain people that the Lord was working on that you want their lives to be either transformed or they're going through a hard situation you want them to be encouraged or, or they don't know Jesus you want them to come to know Jesus and yet even as you saw the picture, you're like, oh man, that means i got to do something. You know? um, and what I sense from the Lord is He's inviting those of you who got those pictures, who also had that twinge of fear of like, ah, oh, geez, now i got to do something. He actually wants you, I believe, to get prayer this morning and that He wants to replace fear with courage. He's going he's to teach you what He meant when He said, don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. He's actually going to give that to you. And also I think it's a kind of a commitment by coming forward and getting some prayers. a commitment like, I will start looking at those people with God's eyes and I'll actually do something about it. And, and you know if you leave and don't do that, you might go, 
Uh, I don't know what that picture thing was about that person. So if that's you, as we're just going to begin to pray for people, I'd encourage you to come forward and get some prayer. So that call is just for people who you had some pictures during my sermon, and yet there was a twinge of like, oh man, i got to actually do something now. i got to follow through and pray for that person or talk to that person. There's a little bit of fear there. So I'm just asking you bravely to put feet to your faith and come forward. So I'm going to keep giving words, um, but I want to encourage you to come forward. So who is that? Who needs to come? So yeah, that was me. I had some pictures of friends and family, co-workers, schoolmates, classmates. Amen. Who else? some others as I was preaching like your heart was just like it was almost like your heart was racing there was just this message resonated with you and you're like I want to see this happen in my life I want to see more people come to know Jesus I, I want to pray for people and see the power of God touch them and you're just excited right now and I felt like the Lord's saying you should get prayer he wants to fill you with his presence fresh and anew this morning and like the disciples uh, like the 12 and the 70 and the 72 you would be sent out from this place to actually share your faith and pray for people so if there's been like this excitement during the sermon like the spirit was just um, blowing on kind of the, 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 the flame of your heart and like you, you want to see more of this happen I would ask you to come forward and begin to get some prayers so who's that like this if this thing resonated with you and said I want to see more of this in my life and yeah I'll take prayer for another filling because I want to be sent out of here to pray with my co-worker tomorrow or to share my faith. So if that's you, I just want to encourage you to just begin to come forward. Who's that? Give me a few moments here. This resonated with you and you want to leave filled and ready to go do it. Who's that? struggling with tinnitus uh, in your right ear quite a bit. And I believe the healing power of the Lord is here. If you have some ringing in your ear, uh, you're particularly more in your right ear, like I believe the Lord is here to hear, uh, heal. And so if that's you, I just would encourage you to come forward. Uh, so who is that? You have some ringing in your ear. Oh, you do. Yeah. We have some prayer team people pray for her. The Lord wants to some healing there. So we have some people over here. Somebody even recently diagnosed with heart palpitations, um, and so there's some talk about going in and, and uh, if medicine doesn't work, that perhaps doing an electrical procedure to get your heart to beat right. Uh, the Lord sees you, and uh, the Lord would have you get prayer this morning, your healing prayer. So if you've been recently diagnosed with some uh, heart palpitations uh, that there's some concern about, I would encourage you to get some prayer. Who is that? Just recently diagnosed. The Lord, Lord has something for you, heart palpitations. I know how this goes, too. Somebody's going, well, I was actually diagnosed like five years ago. Okay, whatever. I mean, uh, it's okay. Just get prayer, you know. So, uh, anybody, before I move on. And you can come up later.
bet you I'd encourage you to get in prayer. The Lord wants to, I believe, you the electric voice you in your heart. Um, during worship, and I usually don't do this because I just don't know what churches are used to, but it's had a real clear, strong sense. Um, this, this woman right here in the orange, uh, yeah, you. So I'm sorry for putting you on the spot. Just blame it on the guest speaker thing, and I'll never be back. Um, but during worship, I had this clear sense that you've been praying for some very specific things. And, and all that I sense from the Lord, I don't know what those are, but the Lord just wanted you to know He's heard your prayers. That there's been times we've thought, are my prayers for these things just bouncing off the ceiling? Does the Lord actually hear? Because you've, you've not seen movement on these specific things. The Lord just wants you to know uh, that your, your beloved daughter, God, and He's your loving Heavenly Father, and He has heard your prayers. He hears you. So be encouraged. There's some, there's some folks that maybe you came today and you've just been seeking Jesus. And I just want to say, I think today is the day that you're supposed to give your life to Jesus. And maybe you prayed a prayer a long time ago, but you never just flat out surrendered and said, you know, all the chips are in on Jesus. Like, I'm just going to learn how to do life from Jesus. He's going to be my Lord and Savior. And I just want to give you a chance that Jesus Christ has come to rescue you. He died for your sins. He has rose from the dead. He is here to, to be your master teacher and show you how to do life in a much better way than the way you've been doing it on your own. He's here. In fact, even as I'm saying this, your heart is beginning to race. You can sense a little bit of warmth. That's His presence. He's wooing you. He's calling you to come. And so before we close, I would just want to give you a chance to say yes to Jesus. Like um, Jesus says, those who confess me before men and women, I confess before the Father. He says, those who believe that Jesus died for their sins and rose from the dead and declare Him Lord of their life, they will be saved. And so I just would be remiss if I didn't give those folks a chance to respond. So why wouldn't you give your life to Jesus today? So I want to ask you to do a brave thing. Like if if that's you, if you say, I do sense something, Jewel, I do need the flat out to surrender to Jesus. I want you to do a brave thing and, and just raise your hand right where you're at. And that'll be like a public declaration that, that yes, I'm ready to surrender to Jesus. And if that's odd for you to do, or then ask the person next to you, you raise your hand with me, you know, they'll do it. Does anybody need to do that before we wrap up? I trust all hearts are clear. If you need prayer for anything else, not just those specific words, you're welcome to get prayer from these folks. I'm going to turn the service over to Dennis. It's time. Is going to lead us in this last song, and I encourage you to, to join with them as they sing, but also to, to continue to, to receive prayer and ministry for the invitations and the words that, that Joel gave. Uh, we don't want you to leave here today without having that genuine, transformative encounter with God, and we believe prayer is, is, is one of the best ways to do that. So, as the worship team sings this song, let's join in and continue to receive prayer. Then I'll come back up in a couple minutes and dismiss us. But, but let's just take this moment to, uh, to enjoy the presence of God and to respond to what the, the God wants to do in your life.
here for the first time. We kind of always have a soft ending to our services just because we believe that God is always wanting to continue to work. So we're going to continue to hold the room for worship and ministry. If, if you've just been standing there contemplating whether you should come forward, there now's the, the time to do that. Um, otherwise, you're, you're welcome to head out those doors and, and head to your right to the event room for the reception. We've, we've got uh, cake and snacks. All the reasons you come to church are in the event room. And so I encourage you to make your way to the event room where you can greet David and Tess. Um, otherwise, just stay in here. If you just want to sit in this moment and receive prayer, we'll continue to minister. But go ahead otherwise and make your way to the lobby or to the event room. Again, thank you so much for those of you online for tuning in. And for those of you who are here, we'll see you in the reception hall or we'll see you next week. Thank you very much. <laughs> 